but at some point we're all going to be eulogized, right? Yep. Everybody. So the question is, what are the people in the first three rows going to say about you? Because the people in the first three rows are going to be your family, your friends, the people that are closest to you. And if you want to leave footprints in the sand in this world, I believe that the more that we get clear about what kind of legacy we want to live in, in this life or leave in this life, the easier it is to make decisions and choices every day. Somebody said when, when your values are clear, the decisions are easy. Those words of wisdom come from Bill Hart, an executive coach with Building Champions. Bill has been working with business leaders and executives for 17 years. In this episode, Coach Bill explains how to, in his words, close the gap between where we are and where we want to be. We're hopping into the coach's chair with Bill Hart on episode 35 of Power Forward. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. All right, welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White alongside Mateen Cleaves. Mateen, as always, how you doing, my friend? Justin, I am flying high. Everything is all good my way, my friend. Well, it is uh, interesting that you use the term flying high because our guest today uh, just so happens to have a background in aviation. Uh, mm. He's also he's also got background in the mortgage business. He is also an executive coach. And, and Mateen, I know you know this from playing team sports, that no matter how good you are, no matter how much you have accomplished in your life, whether it's on the court, uh, in business, or anywhere in between, everybody needs some coaching, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Got to have some coaching, man. The bet Michael Jordan was the best ever. He needed a coach. Well, we are pleased to be joined today by Bill Hart of Building Champions. As I said, he is an executive coach. He's also an author. Uh, he wrote a book called White Collar Warrior, and he is also the host of his own podcast called All In. Bill, Pleased that you could join us. Thanks so much for, for being here on Power Forward. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a blast. It's just a, I get to hang out with you guys for a while. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm here to follow your lead. I've been doing this for a long time, and hopefully there's one or two things I've picked up that will bring your viewers and your listeners some value. Well, Bill, uh, I guess in these times, these very different times that we all continue to live in, uh, the, the, the first question that we should always start things off with is, how, how are you doing? I, I know you're out in Southern California. Uh, hopefully the sun is shining, but, but how, how are things going for you? Yeah, thank you. That's very kind. I'm, I'm great. I am like embarrassingly fine. The only thing that has changed in my world is I'm not getting on airplanes and traveling to venues to speak to audiences. So, but coaching always happens here. It has for 17 years, 16,000 hours in the coach's chair, if you can imagine. So, you know, I'm doing more virtual workshops uh, and fewer live workshops. So, you know, the kids are out of the house. It's my wife and I. I've had a home office for 17 years. Like none of this is new to me. So, so I'm good. Thanks for asking. 
Nice. How, how about all those hours of coaching, my team? How many was it again, Bill? Can you can you say that again? Six, Sixteen thousand hours in the coaches' chair. Wow. Yeah. That, wow. Wow. And and that was that was where I was going to go with my question because you 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 brought up you know all those hours of coaching and the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Bill, like what makes a good coach? You know, because you got coaching in all different areas. So what makes a good coach? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can only answer that question from my perspective, right? I I can't tell you necessarily in athletics or any other endeavor, but in 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 my experience, I I have seen I'll, I can I can say it this way. There's two groups of people that I've seen. There's one group of people that I think are attracted to coaching because it seems like the logical thing to move into, like it's a thing and I can attach my horse to this cart and I can now be a coach. And I just I, I haven't seen that like create stellar outcomes. I'll put it that way. It's the people that have always been a coach in my mind. And in, 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 in other words, they've always, they've always looked for opportunities to lean into people, to contribute, to ask meaningful questions, to listen. I think when you've got that in your DNA and you genuinely have a sense of wanting to help pull the best out of people, I think that's what makes a great coach. I'm glad you answered it that way too. And I'm not surprised, but I'm glad you answered that way because that's what I, that's something when I meet with all the new leaders and I ask them all these questions, but one of the questions and, and something I try to get across to our leaders are is care. If you like the foundation of being a great coach uh, to me is if you care about people and you like to help people, you're going to be fine. Cause you so, so think way. about, right. Think, think about coaches, famous coaches that we know were, were wired like that. The, the Tony Dungy's right. The, uh, the John Wooden's of the world. I mean, Oh my goodness. These guys are legendary because they genuinely cared about their players as people, not yes. just as players. The rest of it was sort of secondary, like victory is going to happen when you got a great group of people. Right. So yeah, brother, that's the way I look at it. And honestly, the, like, let me get this out of the way right now. The, it, lest anybody think that I'm looking for new coaching clients, I'm full. Like, I don't need any new clients. I'm, I'm not. The only way I'll bring somebody on right now is if they reach out and sell me on the idea that coach, I really want to do something special. Like, I'll think about it. But, you know, I've been at this a long time, man. And I just I'm at a cool place in my life where I don't I don't need to do that. So. I want people to understand I'm not trying to sell anything here. I'm just trying to be as honest and transparent with your questions as I can. Well, we're going to dive into, you know, exactly what you do and how your coaching sessions work, Bill. Uh, but one thing I want to ask you about, you know, if you have a mission statement, you know, I really, I really liked this, you know, reading about you. It says, my work with clients is focused on helping them close the gap between where they are and where they want to be. You know, if you think about that, you know, and not just with your clients, but with everybody, um, where they currently are and where they're trying to get to, um, how do you best describe what that process is like? That's so good, man. So th think about it. If I'm a loan originator, that's a really great place to start every conversation, even in a crazy market like we're in right now. You know, doc Dr. Tony, Dr. Tony Alessandra in his book, Non-Manipulative Selling, years ago said, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. Mm. Sounds like something Zig Ziglar would have said, right? It's like <laughs> prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. So that means I, if I'm talking to a borrower, 
rather than jump right into a rate conversation, what I really should be doing is hopping into some questions about Tell me a little bit about your situation. Tell me a little bit about your life. Where do you want to be a year from now? What's important to you? And so what I find as a coach is that to me, effective coaching is three things. It is number one, and you're both going to nod your heads when I say this, so I'm giving you like plenty of warning. Um, It is determining what the client wants from life and business. Everybody nods their head when I say that. But here's my experience of coaching. Most people don't really know the answer to that. Right. They think they know. They think it's money, financial freedom, that gives me choices, and all of that's legitimate. But what I've learned in coaching, to your very direct question, is the more that I can help a client really get clear on what I want personally as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a brother, as a sister, as a member of my community, if I can figure that out, like who do I wanna be? Think of it this way. Here's where we start with coaching and it's a weird place to begin. So Justin, if I were coaching you, I would say, let's start with your eulogy. I hope you live to be 105 if that's your choice. But at some point, we're all going to be eulogized, right? Yep. Everybody. So the question is, what are the people in the first three rows going to say about you? Because the people in the first three rows are going to be your family, your friends, the people that are closest to you. And if you want to leave footprints in the sand in this world, I believe that the more that we get clear about what kind of legacy we want to live in, in this life or leave in this life, the easier it is to make decisions and choices every day. Somebody said, when, when your values are clear, the decisions are easy. When your values are clear, decisions are easy. So if I have a life plan, which is the place we begin in coaching, then we create a business plan. Now this person says, awesome, I'm going after realtors. I want you know 75% minimum of my pipe to be purchased. Whatever that is, now I've got a life plan, who I wanna be as a human being, what I wanna do in business. Now I've got clarity, that's point number one. Point number two is, and this is gonna surprise you, I think, I believe that effective coaching is helping the client to come up with the most effective action plans. I think when most people hear that, they think, well, coach, I'm paying you a thousand bucks an hour for coaching. Like, shouldn't you come up with the the idea? And it's like, well, I could do that. And honestly, guys, I think I did that 15 years ago where I was pretty prescriptive, Mateen, you know what I mean? Like I would tell you, you know what you should do? You should go do this, you should go do that. Well, here's the problem. What we know about human behavior, and you guys both know this, people support what they help to create. Yes. So if I don't allow the client to come up with the suggestion, the direction, maybe I fine tune it, maybe I help them kind of move down that lane, But if I don't help them come up with it, I'm just prescribing and I'm just saying, you know what you should do? You should make more calls. You should wake up earlier. You should send handwritten notes. You should conduct events. You should do more video. I could do a lot of you shoulds, but before you know it, I'm just shooting all over myself. And they're not growing. And they're not growing. There's nothing good that's coming from that. So I believe helping the client to come up with effective action plans is enormously important. And then step number three is very simple and obvious, right? But it's the accountability. And sometimes if I'm really honest, the amount of money that people pay me for coaching more than anything, it's really about the accountability that I've got somebody who's in my court, 
who's coming next to me, who has a fiduciary responsibility to me to help me to do well, and I'm going to hold them to it. I mean, it's it all day long. I got texts going back and forth with clients who are like, hey, coach, I want to let you know that I got that done. Hey, coach, I finished the 5K. Hey, coach, I made those calls. Hey, coach, I hired the whoever. I think that's it. Help people get clear. Help them to come up with their own action plans that will close the gaps between where they are and where they want to be. And number three, hold them accountable. In my mind, that's effective coaching. Mm, yes, yes, man. I, I, I let you know I was jotting all of that down. That was some great information. And, you know, I, I think about um, coaching. And I, to me, you got player, coach, or however you want to yep. say it, trust is a big word, is, is a big thing that comes into mind when I think about coaching. Um, how important is trust in, every, in, in, in your day-to-day basis? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's massive. It is, uh, it is massive, Mateen. It is probably my, my number one value in, in coaching clients is I have to build and maintain trust. I, I could give you a dozen different examples of the way that I do that. But the, the first thing that we do, it's like everything else in business. You know, if you set expectations, I just posted on this last week, but uh, if you set expectations up front in any endeavor or with your kids or, you know, in any relationship, it's so much easier than to kind of stay in that lane that we talk about. But if you don't set expectations, it's easy to be disappointed later. And so the way that we do that at Building Champions is in session number one, it's two hours long, the very first coaching sessions. Uh, After that, it's 30 minutes every two weeks. In that two hour window, that's what, so sorry, that's one of the things that we do is we, we lay out expectations. And number one is, I'm gonna be completely honest with you And I want you to be completely honest with me. So let me give you an example of how that works. I coach a guy who's paying me a lot of money for coaching. And around session three, I realize this guy is an over talker. Mm. It's like a bad episode of Seinfeld, right? It's like, (laughs) he'll like, like I'll be making a point and he'll, before I finish, like he starts talking. Mm. And so I said to him, So I'm going to call him Bob. His name is not Bob. So Bob, I got a question for you. Every single time I'm making a comment to you or answering your question, you start talking before I've finished. Have you noticed that? No, I wasn't aware I did that. Yeah. And you're paying me a lot of money. So if you're doing it with me, I'm guessing you're doing it with borrowers and referral partners and your family. Like I have a suggestion for you. Stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the first time this guy's ever heard that, right? So it's like, I'm going to help him now with active listening. I want him to learn how to how to have a meaningful pause. And you guys know how it is. You've you've both, I'm sure, gone through that at some point. That 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 concept of learning to listen is difficult. I had a guy today, a leader, that's telling me how he, he essentially slammed this guy into a corner by threatening him that works for him and says. Dude, if you know, it, you're making a lot of money. If you don't like it, like there's plenty of people that would get in line behind you. And he's telling me this like he's proud. And I'm like, so that'll work. But it's it it's leadership by fear. What if you had a different conversation with that guy? Right. And you helped him to identify his strengths 
and help him to move over into this area over here where he's really strong and stay out of that area where he's weak. Because honestly, the reason he's being a jerk like that, this guy that is working for him, is because he's insecure. He's in the wrong lane. He shouldn't be doing that. So the way that I feel like I build trust is to be honest with people. And my experience is it's rare. Most people don't hear that they've got bad breath or that they're an over talker or that they're painting somebody into a corner because they're a bully. And part of this is just being 65 and having gray hair. Like I don't care, you know, 20 years ago, I probably would have cared more. And now it's like, I care enough to be honest with you. I'm not worried if you say, wow, coach that offended me and I don't want to be coached. That's never happened by the way. But does that make sense to you? I think yes. I think honesty engenders trust because that person knows that I've got their back. Like, I'm not just going to go along because I'm getting paid. I'm going to call you out on your stuff. You've got so much great insight, Bill. I want to ask you kind of how how you went down this path, you know, how you got into coaching. Because, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, being in the mortgage business for years. Um, when you and I spoke, spoke previously, you said that you wanted to be a, a, an, air, uh, an airplane pilot. Um, when you were a kid. So kind of give our listeners a sense of, of your path and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, man. So yeah, the natural uh, matriculation into this chair would of course be from aviation. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was a strange thing, right? So that my, my, I can remember my mother walking into my, my room one day, it's probably 10 o'clock. It's a summer day. I'm living in Southern California I'm 16, I'm looking out the window and, and it's a gorgeous day. And she says, hey, if I were a young man like you on a day like this, I'd go to the Burbank airport and learn how to fly. You and I had this conversation. And, um, and I think for the other 10,000 times that she made some kind of suggestion to me that I thought, well, that's a dumb idea. That one I listened to for some reason. And I went to the Burbank airport and I took my first flight lesson and fell in love. And so I went on to get my pilot's license and, and the shortest version of this story is I ended up at a company called Beechcraft West in Van Nuys uh, in the San Fernando Valley area, uh, busiest general aviation airport in the world. And I was um, selling airplanes for Beechcraft West to on leasebacks to people who didn't need them, but they got the tax advantage, right? Uh, <laughs> there, there were a lot of wealthy people that because you'd buy a two hundred thousand dollar airplane, and then back then we had five year straight line depreciation, so you could de you could depreciate the airplane if you leased it back twenty percent a year, right? So it made a lot of sense from an investment perspective. Well, one of the guys I was trying to sell an airplane to owned the Southern California region for Century Twenty One, and I think I'm selling him a two million dollar airplane at King Air, which is about a thirty thousand dollar commission to me, and I'm twenty seven, and. And so I'm going down this path and I'm showing this guy like fabric swatches and paint chips and designing the airplane. And little do I know what he's actually doing is he's recruiting me. Hmm. He's like, I think you'd be a great recruiter for us. And I'd like to put you on an airplane to Hawaii for our convention as your first day at work and bring your wife so that you can come see what we do. And I'm like, well, but I thought you were buying an airplane. So, well, he said, well, I probably will at some point, but I'd rather offer you a job. Hmm. So I went to work for Century 21. This is back in the days before Remax, long before Keller Williams, way before Compass. We were like the big dog with the horrible gold jackets, right? You oh yeah, I remember those. That. Yeah, not good. <laughs> the, the, the standard joke was like, I've had my colors done and this isn't on the list. You know, it's like 
you should not wear that color. The funny thing is now it's actually come back. That color is actually it cool. always yeah. does, right? Pretty funny, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, but that so I did that for I don't know eight years where I was just recruiting and I got paid for the number of people that were joining the region and. In the process, I met Mike Ferry, who is Tom Ferry's dad, who was the on the on the East Coast. It was Floyd Wickman in Detroit. Do you know that name at all? Have you run into the Floyd Wickman training and coaching? Because he's out of Detroit. Mike Ferry was in California at the same time. This was in the 80s and early 90s. I went to work for Mike for a year. It was a really painful year. That was a tough relationship. But that introduced me to Todd Duncan. Todd Duncan was kind of the guru in the mortgage industry. And so then we started doing some work together. And from there, I met Daniel Harkavy, the founder of Building Champions. And, you know, he offered me a job and said, man, I think you'd be a great coach. That's kind of point to my response earlier about coaching. I felt like I'd always kind of been a coach. And he, I, back then, you know, it was it was whatever year that was, I don't know, 2000. He said, and we're in Portland. And I'm like, well, I live in Southern California. It's always sunny here. The weather's perfect. You want me to move to Portland? And so we, I didn't do anything for two years until finally he said, you know, you could do this by phone. So, so that's what got me in, right? That's so, and, and yes, my vision was originally to become a gray templed. I never actually had just the temples. I went all gray at once. Uh, gray templed 747 captain. That was my vision. Um, I think I made the better choice, to be honest with you, because I'm much happier now. And uh, those guys have had a tough road to hoe, particularly right now. So that's the story. Crazy bouncing around from all kinds of different places. But the one thing I would have in common that I hope encourages people is I'm telling you, man, when I was selling airplanes, I was a coach. Um, I was, I was teaching ground school. I was a, I was a, a, not a flight instructor, but a ground school instructor because Beechcraft in their eminent wisdom said, you know what, if people come to you for ground school, they're going to trust you when it comes time to buy their airplane. So they're going to want to buy it from you. <laughs> anyway, I've just been that guy the whole time and just kind of worn a different hat. Wow. And you know what, Bill, what jumps out to me is, you know, people sit around sometimes and say, man, I just, I never get an opportunity or the ball never bounced my way. Mm. And to me, it's all about being prepared and, and totally. working hard and, you know, whatever it is that you do, you know, go hard at it, man. And for you, totally. you had no clue what you were doing is doing your job at that point to the best of your ability. And then another, another opportunity came out of that. So here, I love the way, I love that you're pointing that out because one of my basic philosophies in life is always like always deliver more value than cost. Hmm. If you always deliver more value than cost, you'll never have anything to be insecure about. Nice. So that's always the way that I've approached it. You, you mentioned sales bill, um, you know, and, and so many of our, our, you know, clients, uh, that's what they do. You know, that's, that's what uh, the mortgage broker business is. You know, you're out there selling a, a service. You're selling yourself. Yep. Um, when, when you're sitting down with somebody who's, who's in sales, where do you start? I mean, do, do, you, do you dive right into, you know, the art of, of, of the sale or, you know, kind of like you were talking about earlier, is, is it more so asking them broader picture questions? You know, what, what are the, the, the finer points, I guess, of, of your coaching when it comes to sales specifically? Yeah. So I've never thought about it before, but that's such a good question. It causes me to, to say to you that I, I think I, I think I coach around sales in particular from the inside 
out rather than the outside in. And what I mean by that is I think traditional sales training coaches from the outside in, meaning say this, memorize this script, be this person in essence is what we're saying, particularly when it's a personality driven sales program, right? Very, very common. Somebody was very successful in sales. They put together a training program or a coaching system or whatever. And so they, they teach you to essentially be them. I view it the complete opposite. So, so I, what I look for is, so if you were my guy, cause you're filling my screen right now with that background, holy cow. Oh, my um, green screen. Yeah. You like that here. Yeah. Live from the studio. There's a lot of green going on there right now. <laughs> um, I would start with who are you, right? So if I know who, and, and I know a little bit about your background in sports and broadcasting. And so if I were coaching you as a guy who was in sales, I would say, well, let's find the stuff that you're naturally good at. You're clearly comfortable with video. One of the things that we should start doing is more video, right? You can't be face-to-face, belly-to-belly as often as you could. This is something you're very comfortable with. Let's figure out how to start creating more messaging with you via video. If my team has a background as an athlete, they may be one of the places that I would start there is say to say, you know, let's start looking at some of the lessons, Mateen, that you've learned over the years about about team, about achievement, about accomplishment. And so if you were a mortgage broker, if you were originating loans, Mateem, I would be talking to you about everything in my mind that you're starting to communicate should have something to do with your experience as an athlete. And here's why I say that. Uh, This afternoon, I'm gonna be talking to a guy who's a retired Navy captain, who's now in the mortgage business, who has an MBA. So he has, he's retired Navy captain, Navy officer with an MBA. If everything else is equal and I'm a borrower or a realtor or a builder and I can work with anybody in the mortgage business, but that guy's a retired Navy officer and has an MBA, I'm probably going to work with him. So if Mateem, if I know that he is an athlete and he has, he has demonstrated discipline in another part of his life and he values accomplishment and excellence that's where I would go with that. So, or if somebody was, they had a marketing background, like let's focus there. If they had an accounting background, very different conversation, but it's like, let's create predictability in the loan process because you essentially are a walking HP 12C calculator, right? Like you don't make mistakes on good faith estimates. Come on, let's figure this stuff out, right? So that's where I begin. I just begin with who is the individual and how do we get them out there? And that person may never memorize a script and they may never use any traditional sales techniques. And I can tell you, I've had an awful lot of really successful people that just released kind of who they were into this, into this work environment, if that makes sense. Sounds like playing to somebody's strengths, right? Like round peg, round hole. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Otherwise, it's just painful, man. It's just like, you know, come on, that hurts. I don't fit. That's not me. Right? Right. And, it, and, it's, and, it, and it's easy to be you. It's not hard. You know, everybody else is trying to figure out how to be, you know, somebody else. It's not hard. You've been you your whole life. Right? So it's not hard to be right? Yeah. Really, really good point, Mateen. That's something that I, I think is really strong. I'm starting to do some work with a social media company and we're doing a little sort of separate coaching on just that topic. And, you know, 10 years ago, I read a book by Gary Vaynerchuk called uh, uh, Crush It, his very first book. And in it, he challenged the reader to start doing a lot of video. 
And so 10 years ago, I started to do video and it wasn't good. Like in the beginning, it was just, you know, me with my phone and no microphone and lighting wasn't good. None of the stuff that I've got going here, but I started doing it. And what ended up happening is I built a brand under a brand. So coach Bill Hart became a brand. Yes, I work for building champions and I love my company and I'm super allegiant to them, but I built my own brand coach Bill Hart because I recognized that I don't need to be anybody else like love me or hate me. So let me challenge you guys, go look up when we're done, go look up coach Bill Hart, get off my lawn. It's a, it's a video that I did about a month ago and I'm channeling my inner Clint Eastwood. If you remember Grand Torino, of course. Right? Yeah. And what I'm saying to, to people in the mortgage business is, Quit bragging about your record months if you didn't do anything to deserve it, right? Now, nobody else is going to say that. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's an offensive comment. But what I'm saying is if you built a team, if you tightened up your systems, if you consciously focused on purchase business, by all means, brag about it. But if all you're really doing is just accepting the incoming calls and running fast under a tidal wave of demand, like, cash the checks, put the money in the bank, but quit bragging about it. Like, stop that. Get off my lawn. So, so here's the thing. Most people wouldn't do that, but that's me, right? That's like my personality. And so that's all I know how to do, my team, is just show up every day and be my, my authentic self. Don't try and be somebody else. It's not going to work. They're taken. Yeah, oh, for sure. And I was just telling the leader the other day because – I, you know, I say you find different ways to impact your team. And, and it was a young lady. She was like, well, I'm kind of shy and reserved. I said, that's okay. It's, be it's that not, girl. Yeah, be that. Yep. You know, that's you don't have to be me. You're the guy coming in with the band playing and dancing. <laughs> you don't have to be that. But can you can see that. Yeah, yeah, you can impact your team. Give yourself Absolutely. more credit. You can impact your team in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Hey, Bill, another interesting layer. Uh, if you will, to, to you and, and your coaching is uh, tied to your book. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned it earlier. It's called White Collar Warrior. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it is about, you know, the, the military and how, you know, people in sales can can take lessons from some of the elite leaders in the military and, and apply them to the business world. Uh, before we get into that connection, um, I, I got to ask you, what is it about the military uh, that, that you are so passionate about? Where did that come from? Yeah, great question. So first and foremost, I never served my country in uniform. So I'm part of the 99% that never served my country in uniform. But I've always been a patriot. And I, it was the book Lone Survivor, later made into a major motion picture with Mark Wahlberg, if you recall. Oh, yeah, great movie. That story, man, It, I mean, it just hit something at my core like, Holy cow. You know, I call my podcast all in right with coach Bill Hart. There's nobody that's more all in than special operations at the leading edge of the sphere for the United States military period, because they put it all on the line. Right. I mean, in, in athletics, my team, you know, this, it's like, you can, you can leave it all on the court, but nobody's shooting at you. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're still going yeah. home at the end of the game. Exactly. You're still going home at the end of the game. So it really just struck me that, oh, my goodness, I need to know more about that. And I started to volunteer for a, a military charity called bootcampaign.org. And they were sort of looking for a 
they were looking for a spokesperson, somebody that they could put up on a big screen and kind of talk about the need and so on and so forth. And so I became an ambassador for them, met Marcus Luttrell, the author of Lone Survivor. And I began to realize that, oh, my goodness, these Navy SEALs and Army Rangers, they're just a different breed of cat. And if there's lessons that I could learn there as a coach from them and bring it to the re- the other 99% of us that have never been down that path, l- let alone the military. I mean, this is the best of the best of the best. The 1% is anybody that's ever served our country in uniform. You know, the, the special operations community is a very small community. So I interviewed Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and a top gun instructor, David Burke, um, for the book. And so the subtitle of the book is Lessons for Sales Professionals from America's Military Elite. And so what I was looking for is what, where are the parallels in things like discipline and training and dealing with failure? And there are tons, tons of parallels. So look, the book is available on Amazon. If, if you're not going to read it, then listen to it. It's my voice. I, I sat in a studio for two days just reading it through. And you know what? It's good content, man. It's the kind of stuff that for those of us in this business, we need to be reminded of. And, you know, I'll say this about this, this, this moment in, in history, this season that we're in in this business. You know, I tell people that, you know, that you're complaining that you're going to die under a mountain of cash that's falling on you right now. I mean, that's just that's the truth of the matter. Right. There's so much demand with insanely low rates. Here's what I'm trying to challenge people to do. It's like make good use of this market this season. Anybody that lived through 0809 knows it's going to change and you don't want to have squandered this. Right. It's like me as a golfer. If I hit a 300 yard drive, very rare these days. But if I hit a 300 yard drive and I take a seven on the hole, I squandered that drive. Right. So the, in the same way, I want to I want to encourage people take advantage of this market. Right. This is not a good time to buy a brand new Aston Martin. I suggest you not do that. Right. Put some money in the bank because the market's going to shift. And at that point, use some of the lessons that I've laid out in White Collar Warrior and, and this is not a big investment, by the way. I mean, I don't know what it is, 14 bucks or something for the audio. Um, and build yourself a sustainable business for the future. I mean, one of the great things that since you and I spoke, Justin, and I've learned more about what you guys do, is I believe that you do a better job than most anybody in the industry in equipping people to understand how to build a sustainable business. Like this is an opportunity for the long run, not just a gold rush that's amazing right now. Like this is a long-term opportunity, you guys. And this should be a business that serves you if you choose to for the rest of your career. Do it on your terms. Man, well, man. Am I preaching? Am I pre- Can I get a hallelujah? Come yeah, on. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love it. Now, let me ask you this, Coach, because you've, you've coached, I'm sure, and been around so many successful people. What is, what is something that you find in common um, that most successful people have? What, what yeah. is that it that most successful people have? Wow, such a great question. Um, there's there's a few of them, but okay. the, the 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 very first one that jumps out at me is discipline. Mm. It's discipline, and the beautiful thing about discipline is it can be learned. You know, it's like the difference between IQ intelligence and EQ emotional quotient. Um, IQ, you get what you get, right? It's like yep. the cards that were dealt at birth, you get what you get. <laughs> 
Um, EQ, you can develop. Your emotional intelligence, you can develop. Discipline, you can develop. So full disclosure, lest I'm coming across as some kind of uh, a guy that's got it all figured out and sitting, sitting on, on a mountaintop, this is the place where I will tell you, I did not learn this as a kid. Mateem, I know you learned it as, um, as an athlete. And Justin, you may have learned it someplace early in life. I didn't. I, I'm telling you, I got through my early life. I call it tap, tap dancing in the spotlight. I could smile. I could be charming. And I could make good things happen. But it wasn't because of discipline, right? It was because of a good personality. Mm-hmm. That, that's what made things work for me. I, I could squeak out of any situation. And I don't know, I was probably in my 30s by the time I finally realized, oh, you're actually going to have to do some work here, Right. So what I'm saying is what I see a lot in the most highly effective people that I've coached is they learned discipline someplace else. They learned it as an athlete. My 60 year old granddaughter right now is a a figure skater. Figure skating is no fun. You're going to get there a really cold place at four o'clock in the morning before the hockey team is out Mm. and it's nobody's idea of a good time. But I told her on her 16th birthday, I said, honey, whether you end up, ice skating in the Olympics or not, which we all hope happens, it doesn't matter because the discipline that you've learned will serve you in whatever you do in life. But you could learn that in martial arts, in music, in athletics, in scholastics, in the military. So discipline. But if you're like me and you didn't learn it anywhere else, learn it now. And it's a muscle that can be exercised. So of a, of a long list, I would say that's number one. Does that one make sense to you? Yes, it does. Yeah. For sure. Where does yeah. where does discipline come in specifically for, you know, those with that entrepreneurial mindset? You know, when you're a small business owner, I'm a mortgage broker, yep. you know, you've got so much to attend to. You have so many things that you need to take care of. Yep. Um, so, so what does discipline mean um, in that sphere? So... A, a wonderful book that I would recommend to anybody on this topic is Greg McEwen's book, uh, Essentialism. And it's, it, the subtitle is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. I mean, that's the answer, right? Like Greg nails it in the book. But it, I deal with this every single day in the coach's chair is that's the thing that it comes down to. And which means you all heard this before and it's every bumper sticker you've ever read and every poster on every wall you've ever seen, but it's like, I have to say no to the good so I can say yes to the great. There's a dozen good things I could do today, but there's three great things. And if I do those great things each and every day, whether I'm delegating, deferring or deleting those other things, if I do that, I will move the game forward. The way I do that is I'm old school. I love an old school planner. This is the full focus planner. And the beauty of it is in the upper left-hand corner every day, it says, what are the big three? What are the big three? So I could have a list of 58 to-dos, but the big three are like, those are non-negotiable, dude. Those are going to happen. I got a workout happening. I've got to call this person back and I've got to sit down and I've got to write this thing out. For me, it's like, like right now I'm designing a, a business plan for somebody who's hiring me to come in and they don't want it to be ours. They want it to be theirs, proprietary. I've got to schedule three hours for that, right? Where I just put on the Bose QC35s, noise canceling headphones. I turn off all my notifications, you guys. This is like the secret to success turn off all your flipping notifications, turn on music that fuels your soul, 
For me, it's either soft jazz or classical, preferably Mozart 60 beats per minute, because that puts you in a beta state where it's like so easy to focus. It's the way I got the book written. And then I just knock out those projects. But here's what most people do. Most people are playing, I call it opportunity whack-a-mole. Do you guys remember that game, whack-a-mole with oh, the yeah. big mallet, where you had to hit the thing at Chuck E. Cheese, right, with the heads that mm-hmm. pop up? So all day long, I'm just knocking on the fires that pop up in front of me, and I go home exhausted, like I don't think I accomplished anything, yet I was putting out fires all day. So we must prioritize what are the things that are going to move the needle for you. They're going to be different for everybody. We'll see themes. But if you'll do that, what I know for sure, because I've just seen it over and over and over and over and over again, is you will get closer to where you want to be and you'll you'll feel more accomplished at the end of the day instead of just exhausted saying, I don't even know what I did today. That's no way to live. I think it's a great point. I mean, prioritization, you know, I mean, you can have all these all these birds in the air, all these planes in the air you know, aviation reference there, but you got to make sure that you land, you know, that, that big one. Um, and totally. it, it's, you know, the, the whack-a-mole, uh, reference, you know, it, it's a great one. And I think Matino, you can attest to this. Like sometimes you hear people say, Oh, the day got away from me. Totally. Well, Bill, according to, you know, what, what you're telling us, um, if you have those big three, as you put it, and you clearly define them and lay them out at the start of the day, well, seems like there's really no way for the day to get, get away from you because right. you know what at the end of the day constitutes success. So I want to I want to help anybody that might be watching or listening to this, and I'm going to I'm going to provide to you. I assume there's a way that you can share a link, um, but it's a tool that we call the 30 day focus plan, and it's really simple and it's super helpful. This was all designed post COVID because our company coaches. I think I may have mentioned this to you, but our con- company coaches. Daimler, the the huge German conglomerate that owns Mercedes and Chrysler and and Bristol-Myers Squibb and Chick-fil-A and companies way outside of the mortgage space. I'm just the mortgage guy, right? This is is my world. But what we were seeing was people that are just out of control because now they're working from home. The, The boundaries to their day have disappeared. Maybe I don't even have to take a shower today. Who really cares? I'm just gonna put on a shirt and wear my board shorts because who's gonna know, right? Because I'm gonna be on a Zoom call. Um, and, and so that we call it the drift, right? When you start drifting out and you're drinking more and watching too much Netflix and going to sleep too late, and not, it's not a good pattern. So to that point of, of avoiding the whack-a-mole game, uh, the 30-day focus plan just allows you to do a few things really well for 30 days. And I would challenge anybody viewing this, like now that you know, you, now that you know better, you have to do better, right? So I've, I'm challenging you, you who are watching right now, fill this out. It'll take you 10 minutes. It's essentially a sheet of paper that's divided down the middle. On the left side, it's personal. On the right side, it's professional. And I want you to do, uh, I want you to answer three different questions. The, to- the top question is, what are your goals personally and professionally? So personally, you might say, you know what? I'm watching too much Netflix and Amazon. I want to I want to read a book a month. I'd like to start reading a book a month. I need to I used to do that. I want to get back on that track. Or I want to lose 10 pounds of COVID weight because that's very common. Um, but professionally, it might be I need to focus more on my referral partners and, you know, I need to change the my pipeline ratio a little bit or I need to get better at this particular tool or something that you guys offer that maybe I, I'm not as great at, but I, I should understand or some new products that I should research. You'll know what your goals are. Then number two, on both the personal and the professional side, I want you to identify what are the disciplines that will help you to get there, the disciplines. 
So if I say as a goal, I want to read a book in, in a month, the discipline is read 10 pages a day. If you read 10 pages a day, that's 300 pages in a month. You'll an average book here on my shelf. I got a thousand of them. An average book is 300 pages. So for some people, that's 20 minutes. For some, it's 45, whatever. Just schedule the time and commit to it. Make that happen. We know what to do with weight, you know, move more, eat less. It's pretty simple. Um, on the business side, you'll know what it is. Like right now, I have to stop. I have to send three handwritten notes. Cool. I'm gonna, it's in my calendar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write those out. I got the stamps right here, the cards right here, the pens right here. Make it easy. Like just create a little system where it's all right. Like everything I need for handwritten notes is right there on my desk, right? So make it easy. So now we've got the goals, we've got the disciplines, and then at the bottom are going to be the projects. Now people are very confused by the word project. Like what the heck does that mean? David Allen in his book, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, says a project is anything that's more than one physical action. So on the personal side, a project might be, man, I need to clean up my garage, which was mine two months ago. It's mine right now, by the way. You get it then. It's a project, right? It's like, I got to figure out what I'm going to throw away. I got to organize some stuff I'm going to donate, but I got to say half a day at least, right? If you're going to do it right. But a project on the personal side for most people that I know in the mortgage business is probably, you know what? I need to really clean up my database. I've got some people in Outlook, some are in my phone, some are in Salesforce, some are over here. I just, yeah, I got to bring all that together and I got to purge and I got to get some phone numbers and I got to put together a project to get current email addresses. Like that's a project. You guys, if I, I'm going to take off my glasses so I can be emphatic. If there's anything I could say to you right now, like that project is worthy of you doing, because what I know is the people who have achieved the most success long-term in this business have a, a meaningful database that is current, that gets bigger every single month. If you're running through this chaos that we're in right now, and you've only got 300 people in your database, sorry, or whichever way that would be, it's right. like at some point you're gonna look back and go, oh, I totally blew it because I didn't, I didn't like fall in love with my people. Fall in love with your people, you guys. Clean up your database. Please make that a project no matter what and start adding to it every single month because now you've built a book of business like an insurance agent. Wow. Anyway, yeah. I'm gonna get you the tool and I'd love for everybody to do it. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm definitely on board for that. Right on, brother. Yeah, I have to ask you this because uh it's something that's big to me and um uh, mental toughness. You know, yep. you have some people um play the, the blame game. It's the boo-hoo, you know, it's always somebody else fault, And they just, yeah. you know, just you know, the sun never shines on them. And, um, you know, how, how big is mental toughness and, and, um, and, you know, just trying to be successful in life in general. Yeah, man. So, so I got one more video I want people to, to look up, right? So if you just search Jocko and the word good, Okay. You, so I don't know if you guys know Jocko. Jocko Willink is a retired Navy SEAL officer. He wrote my all-time favorite leadership book called Extreme Ownership, to okay. your point. And what he means is you got to own it. And he recorded the video. All his stuff is in black and white. He's got a head the size of my thigh. And he's just a <laughs> badass. You know, he's just a jujitsu master and a former Navy SEAL. And he records this video and he says, you're going to wake up. And you're going to find out that your dog ate your report. Good. You're going to, you're going to lose a deal today. Good. 
your car is going to get stolen. Good. Like you got to watch the video, right? What he's saying is it makes you tougher. So I think to your point, man, that's the place where I would go with this. Jocko just, he instills this every day, 4 a.m. every day. He's working out. He shows you pictures on Instagram of the calluses on his hands, the the, uh, sweat on the ground from his workouts. I don't know anybody who's doing a better job right now in that space than Jocko in communicating the value of mental toughness. And again, it's a decision that you can make. It's a choice that you can make. So great question. Love that you called it out. Let Jocko speak to you. Thanks Jocko, good, man, that's sure. a heck of an impression right there. Right? <laughs> He's the man. But Bill, one, there, there's one other thing I want to ask you about. You bet. You know, uh, as far as your story goes and, you know, what, yep. what makes you who you are. Um, and it's the fact that you're a three-time cancer survivor. You know, the, yep. the perspective uh, that you have gained through those experiences and the obstacles that you personally had to overcome. Yeah. Um, how do you put that into perspective? And then also, how does that shape the way you approach your interactions with your clients and with your audiences? So good. Well, I'll answer the last question first because um, – Every day is a gift and any cancer survivor knows that, right? So I really view that genuinely as like, dude, today, today is a gift and I'm going to take as much from it as I can and hopefully give as much as I can. I wish we could gain that perspective without a near death experience, but it seems to be the way that we're wired. Um, here's, here's what happened to me, right? So, so at 40, I'm 65 now. At 40, I'm diagnosed with colon cancer and you weren't even supposed to start looking for it till you were 50 right at the time. So we visit the first doctor. He is not good news. Second doctor, not good news. This is all USC, UCLA, great physicians. We we got no shortage of great doctors out here. The first three all said basically the same thing. The fourth doctor, fourth opinion said, you know, we get National Institute of Health funding here at SC at uh, Norris Cancer Center. We're a comprehensive cancer center and we're pioneering a new procedure. It was called the J pouch. Anybody who's had any experience with uh, colon cancer may be familiar with it. It's very standard now, but it was new at the time. Completely changed my outcome. So the first thing I say to people is don't get on the medical conveyor belt. Like you've got to advocate for yourself. And it's, if it's a loved one, you must advocate for them. If I had gone with my first opinion, second opinion, or third opinion, I would now have a colostomy and a lot of other complications guaranteed. So none of that happened, right? Because I got the fourth (laughs) opinion, but in the moment when I was diagnosed, I remember being in a car wash and I'll close with this story because I know we're coming to the end of it. Um, but I'm here as long as you want as well. Uh, I remember being at a car wash because it's Southern California, right? So we've got to have a shiny car. <laughs> and, and the car is going through and it's one of those where there's the windows, right? That go by so I can watch the car go through. And there's a bench there. And I just kind of sat on the bench and slowly kind of fell over to one side. I remember this vividly. Almost, feeling almost like I'm in a fetal position, like, holy crap, I cannot believe this diagnosis. And I don't know how long it lasted, maybe a minute. And, and I just thought, okay, you know, game on, like we're going to war on this. And that's the way that I approach the cancer experience. And 
you know, with the help of my bride, uh, Tony, who just made all the difference. I mean, we became at, I was in the hospital 11 days and we became the popular room for the nurses to come to because my wife is like baking, you know, chocolate chip cookies. And I got positive things posted quotes all over the walls and like they came to be in my room as a result. And for, I don't know, five years afterwards, that surgeon had newly diagnosed patients calling me because they wanted to talk to somebody who had been through it and had a successful outcome and would encourage them. So I think to everything that we've talked about today, that that was sort of my crucible, right? That was the moment in time where it's like, I got to step into this and it made all the difference for me. Perspective, wow. right? I mean, yes. yeah, totally. Now, I mean, something that, you know, whether, whether you've been through something like that, which, which you just described, or even, you know, now the, like you said, these, these times we're living in um, perspective is, uh, is something that we all could use. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing to that in, in terms of the, the, the perspective and then where we are today is I believe we've all drifted a little bit and our routines have drifted a little bit. And that's why I believe so strongly in this 30 day plan. It's like time to hit the reset button. Like, you know what? I don't have to watch the news in the morning. They're just screaming at me and making me upset. Like, stop it. There was a recent survey a study, not a survey, a study done by the Huffington Post, and there were others involved in it. And it said, if you watch just three minutes of negative news in the morning, you are 27% more likely six to eight hours later to say you were having a negative day. Hmm. Three minutes. So here's my strong suggestion, like run away from the news. Don't watch the news. Stop it, particularly now. This is not a good time to watch the news, you guys. Get your data someplace else. I go to Reuters and a, and a system called Flipboard, F-L-I-P-B-O-A-R-D.com. You go in there and you put in what you want to know about. I want to know about things like achievement, leadership, victory, right? That's, that's what I, those are the news stories that I'm looking for. Do I know about what's happening at the Democratic Convention? Of course. Do I know what's happening with COVID? Of course. Like you're going to get it some way. But why would we start our day like that? Start your day. Listen to ELO's Mr. Bluebird, like like or Mr. <laughs> Blue Skies. Listen to something that lights you up and gets you fired up. Listen to music. Watch things. Read things that feed your soul, and engage with intentionality for your day instead of becoming a victim to the negativity that's out there right now and let it press you down. We're an amazing industry. You have an incredible opportunity. Be careful what you put into your head as well as your body and your heart. Oh, man, that, that, that's so great. You know, one day I was driving to work and my sister was calling with some bad news. I told her, wait, 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 not, not right now. I don't want to hear about it. I'm going nice. into work. I'm listening to one of my favorite songs. I'm feeling right. good. Yes, not, I'm not saying not right now. And I'm one of those people building. And I, when I talk to people, I say, hey, man, pop in that positive pill in the morning. And totally. have a great day, no matter what, you know. So right? I'm, I'm so glad you hit on that, Bill, because it's very important what you put in your head. What you, um, yeah, especially when you first wake up you. in the morning. It sets yeah. the tone. You. you know what? Come hang out with me on social. Like, I'm easy to find. Coach Bill Hart, come hang out with me on social. What I try to share are the things that I'm seeing that impact people that are positive, that I think are funny. You're not going to see anything negative from me, you guys. And all I want to talk about ever is achievement and accomplishment and what's possible and what I see people doing. 
you guys don't need to be with the sheep, like step above it, rise above it, make decisions that allow you to do things on your terms. One of the things that I always tell coaching clients is I want you to write this down three words on my terms. And what I'm saying is like, let's figure out what your terms are. My experience is most people don't come to me with their terms figured out, but they figured it out later. I just hung up with a client in North Carolina. She said, I'm getting home at eight or eight 30. And I said, that's not going to work. It's not sustainable. Right. You're she's 60 years old, married. Like who wants that going on? So I said, you got to figure out what your terms are. And if it's, if it's six o'clock, six o'clock, it is like draw that line in the sand. Are you going to lose a deal? Maybe. Are you going to gain a life? For sure. Figure out what your terms are and then live your life on your terms. I'm not sure we could end on a better note than that. I mean, that that right there is, uh, that's some good stuff for the soul. Mateen's raising his hands right now. He's <laughs> I, I, got so, I got so many notes written down, Bill. I feel like I just went to class. Right so uh, appreciate all the knowledge that you've dropped uh, on us. I know so that our audience is going to take you. a ton of value from it. Uh, Coach Bill Hart from Building Champions. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. And also for, for sharing your story. You know, it's, it's just interesting. We always love learning, not just what people do and what they think, but why they think the way they do. So it was no really doubt. great getting to learn more uh, about you uh, as a person as well. It was my honor, gentlemen. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. Keep inspiring, baby. Thanks, brother. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, Subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.